Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 275, air date April 25th, 2018. Turtle, turtle, turtle. Speaking of guests, tonight we have with us um, Mr. Shiva, Dr. Shiva, I apologize. Dr. Shiva, I can't pronounce your last name. How do you pronounce it? It's really easy, Uncle Turtle Boy. Just say, I adore, like I adore you. So I adore. So Dr. Shiva, I adore. Or you can just call me Dr. Shiva or Shiva. Okay, that's way way easier. All right, so Dr. Dr. Shiva, I like that. But um, so Dr. Shiva uh, is a candidate for United States Senate. He was uh, initially planning on running as a Republican, but that has changed. And I believe now he has officially announced as an independent. Do I have that right? Yeah, since November. Uh, Uncle Turtle Boy, we've been running as an independent. You know, we dumped the Republican Party, and we realized that you know both of these parties really don't serve the interests of the people. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Massachusetts is primarily an ind- a state of independence. It's not, you know, uh, you know, red or blue. It's red, white, and blue. You know, okay. it's 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 uh, independence. Okay. Now, it's a little background with Shiva. Uh, Shiva was a central figure this past summer in the. Uh, free speech rally that took place in the Boston Common, which was inaccurately labeled as some sort of Nazi rally by Marty Walsh and other irresponsible politicians who uh, associated, because free speech has somehow become associated with like a far right wing thing. Why do you think that, Ishiba? Why did, because when I was growing up, the left was always the ones advocating more for the First Amendment. It seems to have switched. Why do you think the left seems so afraid of free speech now? Well, I think the reason the left feels afraid is because it's it's really funny. And I was thinking a couple of days ago, imagine if you had a cartoon of a bunch of hippies uh, back in the late 60s, right, protesting. Mm-hmm. And now those same hippies have essentially, they're the ones who have become like a little Hitler youth trying to mandate free speech because most of these people – uh, essentially are into centralization of power, mm-hmm. that they know what's better for everyone else and you and I don't. It's true. And so what bo- what bothers them is the fact that people think on their own. Uh, they think they you know have the governance or the ownership of truth. And that's not the way it is. That's not what this country is about. This country is about having a diversity of opinion, diversity of thought, and we discuss it and we debate and we don't have to agree. Uh, disagreement is good. You know, out of chaos and disagreement, you find the truth. You stumble onto truth. And these people don't want to do that. They want to impose their will on people uh-huh. and, and uh, you know, control. Yeah. And that's – and, you know, uh, that free speech rally was pretty amazing. You know, long before Charlottesville took place, I had agreed to some young young activists. You know, I support young people, whatever they want to do on uh, Turtle Boy to be, be political, right? It's yeah. important to have discourse. And, you know, they were going to invite Green Party people, me, people from the left and the right. Um, and literally after Charlottesville occurred, as you said, uh, 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 Marty Walsh and this other guy, Baker, Governor Baker. Baker did too. A never right, Trumper yeah. guy. Yeah. I mean, they characterized the whole thing as a Nazi white supremacist event. Why? Because they're all seeking votes and they wanted to appeal to the minority votes as though these guys were the stalwarts against racism. When in mm-hmm. fact, if you look at Boston, if you look at in Boston, it has one of the worst segregation environments even today, Right. The average net worth of a black person is eight bucks, and I'm sure a poor white person isn't that far behind. These guys are the biggest segregationists. But after Charlottesville took place, these opportunist politicians 
took the opportunity to try to characterize it as a Nazi white supremacist event. And when I saw this occurring, you know, I was even more stalwart on going. Uh, we went. It was 40 of us against 40,000 people. If that. It looked and, like it was like 12 of you. And honestly, some of the people in that gazebo yeah. looked like hippie Bernie voters to me, like earthy, crunchy. Yeah, yeah, the- they were, yeah. Well, that's the thing. There were Green Party people. There were two people smoking weed on there, you know, uh, out of some priesthood. I mean, these people were peaceful people. And and young people were there, and some of the people were quite scared of what they saw because it was a lynch mob yep. that uh, Walsh and Baker had unleashed. And more importantly, they set us and the police up to get hammered, yep. and there was no way that the press could get through. I mean, this yeah. is a violation of the First Amendment. I mean, it's it was a violation of so many things. It was the- absurd. And, and if people heard my speech, fortunately, one of our guys videotaped our speech. I'm exposing Hillary Clinton as a racist mm. for making fun of you know Mahatma Gandhi. I'm exposing Harry Reid. I'm exposing Joe Biden, who said the only reason he liked Obama was he was the fa- first articulate black person he'd met. Mm. And then you know uh, the other guy, Robert Byrd, you know, was the head of the KKK. And I had signs that said "Black Lives Do Matter," and I was exposing Monsanto and the lack of academic free speech, uh-huh. where there's a lot of fake science now. Yeah. That's what my talk was about, and they said I'm a Nazi and a white supremacist. So, a bunch of Indian groups called me a Nazi. It was ridiculous. Yeah, that was, that was hilarious, was watching a mob of white people call you a white supremacist. I thought that was just terribly ironic. It's, it's, it, and this is why these people are the Nazis. Yeah. They're the ones who have become little, little Hitler youth. You know, they might as well start doing their own Heil Hitler signs let's not, because let's, they all speak in unison. Let's talk about some issues. So, I want to ask you about some a couple of political topics because you, you, you mentioned weed there. What's your stance on marijuana? Well, look, uh, I have a very, you know, look, I'm a scientist. I'm a, uh, I don't know if you know, I got a bunch of degrees out of MIT. One of my degrees is in systems biology. And uh, I've created a new technology which actually models at the cellular level what goes on molecularly. So I've studied the endocannabinoid system. Look, here's my view on uh, marijuana. My sister was a big pothead growing up. You know, she uh, smoked a lot of weed. This is New Jersey in the 70s, sold a lot of it, and then she went on to Harvard Medical School and now is one of the biggest cannabis doctors. How about that? So, yeah. uh, So here's my view, right? Look. All, all of these herbs, I mean, I study herbs for a living. My company, Cytosol, analyzes herbs, you know? Yeah. Herbs are very powerful things. It all depends on the amount you do and the dosaging. You could even take turmeric, right, or too much of ginger, too little of it, right? So long story short, legalized or no? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a big proponent of not only legalizing it, but also putting significant amount of money, uh, NIH funding, to really researching this. You see... It's a, you're talking about a very powerful substance, right? Mm-hmm. And well, my view on this Depending is on what you're smoking, not if you get it from Webster, but go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. The cheap <laughs> well, it depends, right? Because yeah. there's no standardization of it. Yeah. But I do think that for very young people, there's evidence which shows that, you know, people shouldn't be doing tons of hits of this when they're young because it does affect brain function, right? Yeah. You can't say that you can smoke it all the time and it's not going to affect your brain it does yes right I agree. so all of these things are very powerful things and you know and i think there's some very interesting analogies to alcohol to the extent that if you know if you're a pretty well-off person you can smoke you know you can do your alcohol or your weed and and if you get in trouble you can get off but for people of uh you know who don't have access to as much income this could also be an addictive behavior mm. but you know unlike alcohol there's some very powerful uses of it for you know all sorts of you know epilepsy, uh, PTSD, you go down the list, it has a lot far benefits, I think, to alcohol. But I think we should fund a lot of NIH funding for this, right? Yeah. We should really find all the different uses. We should support standardization. 
Um, and we should make it definitely accessible to people who need it. Um, but I think young people and parents should be aware that this is not something that you just smoke all the time. You know, you, you can fry your brain. I, I agree. I, I, I think that I didn't really start smoking pot till I got to college. And I think it's better that way simply because if I started smoking pot like in high school a lot, it would have been no good. You know what I mean? I would have been a burnout. Uh, I feel like once I was an adult, I was able to more moderate my, you know, my doing what I need to do academically and smoking pot. And I thought those, if I was in high school, I don't think I would have been mature enough to, you know, separate the two as much. So I think I'm with you. Well, well, here's the interesting thing. See, our body, uh, uh, Uncle Turtle Boy, itself has what's called an endocannabinoid system, Mm -hmm. which means we ourselves produce uh, cannabinoids. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, I, I grew up meditating, you know, oh, when you meditate, your body releases uh, cannabinoids. I don't, I, you know, I smoke, I've never smoked weed. Uh, you know, uh, one time I had a, a, my nephew came over, he wanted me to make a bunch of pot cookies. And here's the deal. I ate eight pot cookies, did nothing to me. A friend of mine ate half. Yeah, it's the I first time, man. Uh, the first time you get high, you don't really get high. That's what they say. Well, yeah. And the thing is, uh, a friend of mine, out in uh, the Midwest does a d- ton of, uh, uh, what is it, mushrooms. You know, again. No, like I wouldn't recommend mushrooms. <laughs> oh, I had he, a bad experience. He gave me, he gave me uh, about 10 hits. It did nothing to me. <laughs> and I think when you meditate and you do other activities, your body itself releases its own cannabinoids. So what I'm trying to say is all of our chemistries are different and it become uh, – and look, in the Indian tradition, that my dad used to say – uh, there are two types of quote unquote yogis, right? One that smoked a lot of weed and needed the ganja, right? And others who didn't need it. So in the tradition, the yogis would give a little bit of uh, what they called, uh, you know, ganja to their students for them to experience certain, uh, you know, uh, uh, other experiences, right? Right. I want to. I want to go through some other. That. I want to not to interrupt this, but I kind of want to. Anyway. I go through like a whole bunch of political issues here. I don't want to get stuck on one because I just want a general idea of where you stand on each one. So the next one I'm going to talk about, what, how, what are your feelings on abortion? Look, uh, my, my view on abortion is quite different than most people as a, uh, as an independent, as a biologist, I can tell you that, uh, the epi- when the epithelial forms are definitely two lives, mm-hmm. um, that are there. How, how far it's, into this- it is that? How many weeks is that? You're talking about a few days after conception. Okay, so know? by the time you know there, you're pregnant, you would say that's yeah. All. I mean, look, we. I mean, I mean, it varies chemistry wise, but you know, it, there's an epithelial that, which is what's called the uh, the skin that forms around this forming thing. So it's definitely another being, right? Mm-hmm. So having said that, there's two lives. So anyone who says, "Oh, uh, it's not a living thing," there are two lives. Mm. Period. And, and I know? think that's what the bio- that's what the abortion bait debate ultimately in my opinion should come down to because the people always say well i'm against abortion i think it's wrong but i think you should have a right to do it anyway which to me is a sellout um opinion to me either there's something wrong with it or there's not something wrong with it either you are extinguishing a life or you're not right and so to me I, i firmly believe you're extinguishing a life Period. There is yeah. no doubt about it. At any scientist or biologist. So right. So you're coming you from this decision fr- to do it. Don't don't think that you're not. You are. And any woman I know who's had an abortion, they don't feel good about it. Mm. You know, they know that they extinguish a life. Period. And so I think that uh, I think that where you're coming from not, on this particular issue 
is the way that right-wingers should come from it more often because it's a more convincing case when you bring science into it as opposed to when you bring religion into it because not everybody is religious and you're not going to convince anyone with religion. Whereas with biology, then you can say, because the left loves science. They claim to love science and here you are presenting science and they don't really well, seem to. Well, I got to. four degrees from MIT, so you can't call me true. some you know fanatic, yeah. religious fanatic on this issue. Yeah. It is... You know, hundreds and thousands of papers have been written on this, that there's definitely two lives, now, period. as a small government guy, how do you feel about the wall on our southern border? Are you pro or against that? Uh, look, uh, the, let me give it to you a simple way. We talked about biology. You know, you have 10 trillion cells in your body. Every cell has a wall around it, or mm -hmm. what we call a cell membrane. True. Okay? Uh, your body has a skin structure on it. You know, I'm a firm believer uh, you know, uh, good fences make good neighbors. Mm. You know, I have no idea. That, you know, the immigration issue is essentially uh, is a is a, the fact that we have to even have to discuss it is insane. I think mm. it's become a dysfunction of the deep state. We need to have strong immigration. If we need a wall on the southern border uh, physically to protect it, that's what we need. But okay. beyond that, we also should have merit-based immigration, right? Mm. What happened to making sure my parents when we came in here? We had to make sure we, my parents submitted their resumes. They had to submit that the fact that they had a job here. It wasn't like you simply came here. And I think, you know, I think that's a very important part of having a country. What are the but, structures you want to put for a country? But here's the thing. So, okay, a wall is very expensive. And as Gary Johnson famously once said, uh, the solution to a 10-foot wall is an 11-foot ladder. And the, most mm -hmm. people that are here illegally, they came here on planes. All right, They came here with visas and they overstayed them. And then they got comfortable and they never left and they kind of just disappeared into the crowd. Now, as a conservative, you know, and as a smaller government guy, do you think that an expensive border wall that we have no proof or evidence that it will like actually curb illegal immigration? Do you think that's a wise investment? Well, listen, I haven't looked at the, all the numbers, you know, as an engineer, right? Uh, there are different ways to build these walls, right? And we can probably do a hundred different variations of it, right? Mm -hmm. So the cost issue really comes down to how you want to do it. You know, there's invisible walls. You can do them with physical structure, right? I mean, I've seen all different. And in fact, I know some of the people submitted some of the plans, right? But I think the bottom line here is that we don't really have, we're letting in people come into this country. The, 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 I, I have to say the Republicans and Democrats over the last 100 years have exploited in some ways illegal immigration, right? Because they exploit uh, low-paying wa uh, wages to support a lot of globalism and imperialism. So that issue needs to be addressed fundamentally. And the reality is that we don't, it's a multi-tiered issue. The, the immigration issue is not just the wall, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, I'm a systems guy, right? It's not just a wall. You have to make sure we have more Votech schools here. So we have more skilled labor in this country. We have to make sure that we have, be it a wall or, very tight immigration policy. We may, we also have to make sure we support mm. merit-based immigration. It's not just any one thing. It's probably three or four things that need to be done together to build the quote unquote the wall. Okay. You know, it's not just this physical wall. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, yeah. I, I just think that too often this, the wall a lot, you know, Trump used that a lot because it's something people could understand. And he yeah, was kind of, he used that as a, as a meme, right? Right. But I think um, a lot of people took it seriously. I think a lot of his followers, Took it very. I mean, I've been to Trump rallies. It's an interesting crew there, and a lot of people. That is like their big issue, and they honestly believe that a wall 
is going to stop a lot of this. Do you feel like Trump kind of played to the cheap seats a little bit? Well, well, look, look. I mean, let's the Trump phenomenon. Uh, Trump is a master of understanding consumer marketing. He, what? Uh, uh, That's very true. Trump, knew, I agree. Look, what Trump knew is he, he's a, really an understanding of culture, right? Um, that's what, you know, large mass entertainment media teaches you. And he's sort of, uh, it's in his bones. What he could see in this country was there was definitely an anti-establishment movement. That was a trend. And Trump rode that. Now, uh, forget Trump as a person, but he in some ways is a consummate performance artist, right? Very much so. So he understood that, he had the dog whistle on that, and he captured the day of it. And he really took, uh, you know, to the a message, which was, you know, I'm the anti-establishment candidate. Um, I, you know, we can't read his mind, but I would say a large, uh, obviously a majority of the people in this country were tired of both parties and something like the wall conjured up to them, hey, this guy is going to actually do something, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to actually take positions on things. That's what the wall really signified, right? It's true. No, like it's he was going to draw a line in the sand. It's a I mean, symbol. Think about what the wall represents. Yes. I agree. Yeah. So here's a question. It's so you're, you, you're running right? for the United States Senate, right? Suppose you get into the United States Senate. You, what Scott Brown was very good at, and people like Susan Collins are good at, is building coalitions. Elizabeth Warren is the exact opposite. She is she is a 100% lefty. She has she makes no friends. I call her the Rex Ryan. I don't know if you're familiar with Rex Ryan. He was the coach of the Bills and the Jets for a while. To always talk the big game about beating the Patriots and we're going to do this, and then, but never won. And Elizabeth Warren is often on the losing side of votes. So here is my question for you is that if you got into the Senate, right, because you're a, a polarizing figure, um, would you, what kind, like, what kind of Democrats, can you think of any Democrats or some Republicans in that manner that you would like ally with and because you need to ally with people from the opposite side of the aisle or else legislation doesn't get passed. Is there anyone in particular in the Senate right now that you can, that comes to mind that you could, you know, would be able to work well with? Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, the the bigger issue is first of all, the big difference between someone like me and someone like Elizabeth Warren just is that like, you're talking about as someone who's a lawyer, lobbyist, academic, right? These people think they know better than anyone. They don't frankly have to work with anyone. Think about the academic and lawyer background, right? They tell people what to do, right? Yes. They, are on the top of the heap. My background is an engineer, right? As an entrepreneur, um, you know, I have to go to sell my product to large companies, uh, mm-hmm. Uncle Turtle Boy, right? Well, here's so the in thing. that model, I, I have to always build consensus. It's not what I want. It's what's going to work for everyone. She, so she, when I look at, here's the difference, so, right? As as a Democrat, yeah. she ha- she can afford to be 100% left, right? Because you know that's she's preaching to a blue state, right? Whereas Republicans who are elected in the state have to be like Charlie Baker and Scott Brown or else they will not get reelected. So what I'm wondering is, and I completely agree with everything you're saying and I totally get what you're saying. Is there any like Democrats like Chuck Schumer or, you know, Republicans like Rand Paul? Is there anybody that comes to mind? Yeah. Yeah. Like, look, look, you, you, there's some really, I mean, there's, there's, uh, you got a guy like Tom Massey, right? And the rap, uh, you got Rand Paul. Um, you even have Bernie, you know, you probably work on certain things with Bernie. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain issues that are trans ideological issues. And these issues are where you can bring people together and they're big issues. I'll give you one, the food distribution system, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, clean food. 80% of Americans want organic clean food. This is not a left issue anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It's an issue of every parent wants to make sure the kids are be- being fed well and taken care of. We don't do that today. 
You know, Monsanto as a company has uh, one of the most evil corporations has destroyed the food supply in this country through industrialized agriculture. And when I'm out there distributing flyers, I found people of all different backgrounds all get that. It's not just a lefty issue. You take something like pollution, right? Everyone wants to lower pollution. Who wants to have plastic everywhere in the ocean? Who doesn't want to have lower pollution? But the Paris Accords don't do it, okay? Mm. What they do is really allow China to pollute. And those are the kinds of things I'll be able to educate people. And I think one of the big things I'm going to be able to bring to this, I'm very articulate. You know, I look at solving problems and I speak very rationally. I don't look at an issue as a left or right issue. I look at it as what is appropriate. And, you know, when you're an educator, when you're an entrepreneur, when you're an engineer, you have to make things work. Mm. And you also know when you engineer stuff or you build stuff, it's not like the job is done. It's always a work in progress, right? Yep. Hey, this is version 1.0. This is where we got to. We'll refine it. We'll make it better and better and better. That is a very different attitude than opportunistically just solving one single part of a problem or saying, oh, I'm just going to go for any one of these very tough problems, right? Mass shootings, opioid addiction, immigration. Oh, I'm just going to do this one thing. Well, that's a lie. And the idea is I think we need to go back to a very rational way of looking at all of these very complex problems, bringing people together. And I think that's what I'm going to be able to bring. And that's what I've done all my life. You know, you don't build companies. You don't be successful. You got to bring in. I mean, you deal with companies like IBM, small and large companies. You're always educating people, Uncle Turtle Boy. That's what we need, you know? Let's talk about – People who want to – Let's yeah. let's talk about, about uh, what you've been in the news for in the last 24 hours that came to our attention and which is why we hit you up and add you on the show. So there is an incident going on in the city of Cambridge. It was covered in Fox News today uh, and some other places. And I'm going to read the headline for you. Um, it says, Real Indian, that's you, running against uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren sues after city tells him to stop calling her um, a fake Indian, and I see a picture of a bus with a big canopy over it that says Shiva for United States Senate. Only a real Indian can be defeat a fake Indian, and it's a picture of you, and then Elizabeth Warren with the uh, traditional headdress on. Uh, so, what's going on with that? What can you tell us about this? Yeah, it, it's you know, I, I think it's a very compelling story and a journey. Um, look, I I own a building in Cambridge. I pay around $75,000 a year in property taxes. I've owned the building since 2002. It's a, it's a beautiful building. Uh, we don't have any signage on the building, even though we're allowed to put about 100 square foot worth of signage. Uh, about a year ago, March of 2017, uh, one month after I announced my campaign, uh, local residents in Massachusetts, students, took an old school bus. They refurbished it. They repainted it. And that became our campaign bus. So in March of 2017, in my parking lot, it's been parked in the same par- in the same spaces, the signage on the bus was Shiva for Senate, be the light. That was one of our slogans. Yep. It's a great slogan. Uh, a month, two months later, in June of 2017, we changed the slogan to Shiva for Senate, fight for America. And that slogan remained on the bus as we took it in and out, and remaining in those same parking spots all the way up until March of 2018, almost a year. March of 2018, March 17th to be particular, before the St. Patrick's Day Parade in South Boston, uh, we decided to change the logo to only a real Indian can defeat the fake Indian, you know, with the headdress, etc. It's a great slogan. I'll tell you why it's a great slogan also. Uh, I think it's going to go down in political history as one of, uh, one of the greatest history. slogans. Interesting. Um, 
Yeah. Well, let so me that, just say about that, right? That I, I, I'm happy that you're pressing that issue uh, because I think it's like one of, I, I never want that issue to drop ever. Like, I, I just think that she's going to gonna... drop because, because it's a fundamental issue. By the way, you know, a couple of uh, weeks ago, we had a guy walking by the building and we have so many people take pictures of this, of this bus, right? They yep. just love it. And this guy's walking by, he's got a little red hat with an H on it. I said, oh, it's from Harvard. I said, what do you do? He goes, oh, I teach at Harvard. I go, what do you teach? He goes, I'm the head of the Department of Psychology. And he says, that's a great slogan. Mm. Okay. So um, anyway, uh, I'll come back to why I think it's a great slogan. And, and you know, we've tested this. So uh, at, on March 2018, uh, uh, two weeks at three weeks after that, roughly on April 4, 5th, we get a letter from the city of Cambridge basically demanding that we remove those two uh, signs which have that slogan on it. Otherwise, we're going to be fined. $300 a day and suffer legal action. What's the basis now, though? Uh, the basis is a city ordinance, which, it, and this is from the building inspector, which points to signage on the building. Well, this is a mobile vehicle. So you and found a, a way around it. Message. So basically it's your bus. So be, you found a loophole almost where <laughs> you can't put signage on the building because of the city ordinance. So you're like, fuck it. I'll put it on my bus. Well, but that's not even how we thought it. We, we use it on the bus because we, the buses are, we didn't even think that, you know, consciously about it because I'm very, uh, you know, I don't want to violate the building ordinance. I know it, you know, I yeah. know it quite well. That's because you're allowed a hundred. We have a hundred linear square foot of uh, frontage and you're allowed that much of colon and square footage, hundred square feet. So that was not the intention. Uh, when we put that, now you got to understand, they didn't say anything about the first slogan. They didn't say anything about the second slogan. So it's clearly the political message because yes. it's such a powerful message. W uh, one out of a hundred It's not just people. the message, it's her in the headdress too, because the headdress is obviously yeah. not a picture of yeah. her that's superimposed. It's superimposed, yeah. So it's 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 a I would say it's a political meme, and I think it's a piece of political art. It's got some poetry there, you know, only a real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. Yep. It's got my picture, her picture, it's perfect, man. So it's I was you know, when you do poetry and you when you write, when you know you you've nailed it, we've nailed it there. Yes. And the heart of this is it says only a real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. Well, it's, and behind that is a lot of layers. It's also hypocritical you know, because like the city of Somerville has a, a Black Lives Matter flag hanging on their city hall. And that in and of yeah. itself is a political statement. Black Lives Matter is a political organization. Huge political right? statement. And so, but, and that's hanging on a, not just a building, a government building. The town government is you know, endorsing a polit, you know, a political point of view. Whereas this is not a, this is not a government building. It's not even a building. It's your bus. You should be able to put what a, it's like having a bumper sticker, right? That says, you know, only a really, but this is just bigger. So I think for that reason, oh, I, yeah, we have, we have people in our, in our parking lot who have a bunch of Hillary bumpers. You know, one woman's got a, a car with like four or five Hillary bumper stickers, you know, I'm yeah. not calling the city her, uh, on that. Uh, but the fundamental reason is the, 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 the so-called liberal left knows this is a powerful because it exposes a deep, not only identity politics, right? The, it's not only that uh, she shoplifted identity, but it's really about integrity mm. and hypocrisy. That's what it brings out, and that's what they don't like. When they get pissed off, yeah. they're actually getting pissed off with themselves. Yeah. Well, here's some questions for you, right? Themselves. So we, we all know that it's a joke that she pretends to be Indian, but it's not new, and everybody kind of knows about it. Do you think you're like convincing 
anyone? Is this like a, an effective strategy to win an election? Because I'm going to be honest, right? The lefties clearly do not give a shit that this woman is pretending to be Native American because she says all the right things and votes the right way, and they clearly don't give a shit. So do you think this is like an effective strategy to actually win an election? Well, look, uh, let me let me answer that this way, okay? Uh, about uh, You know I was the first one to announce when I was running as a Republican, right? Yes. First guy to announce, first out of the gate. Uh, the Boston Globe, your liberal newspaper, puts the pictures of three candidates up. They put one of the guys who announced and two others who had not even announced. They leave my picture out. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I tweet out, you know, uh, racist Jim Sullivan at the Globe uh, leaves the darkie out. Okay? It goes viral <laughs> on the internet. Sullivan calls me up at home and says, why are you calling me a racist? I said, Jim, you are a racist. You put the three white guys and you left the dark-skinned Indian guy out. What do you want me to call you? No, I, I agree. Goes, oh, my intern... Well, well, let me. So, my intern forgot to put it in. Yeah. When we went to the St. Patrick's Day parade with our bus, as we drove through, do you know what Nesson did, which was covering? They pointed their cameras down. So we have an active browning out of our campaign. So that slogan is basically our Excalibur because people cannot ignore that. So you ask me, it's it's not only a strategy because when people see that, they go, "Shit, I cannot ignore this guy." Right, and then they say, "Who the hell is this guy about shit? He's got four degrees from MIT." Right? But don't you think he it could be seven companies? But don't but you think I that? Have to do, but don't I you think that could be a turnoff, man? But don't you okay. think that could be a turnoff for people, right? Who are like, so, you know, on the fence and be like, maybe I could go right, and then they see a sign like that and they're like, you know what, this guy's too incendiary for me. I, I mean, it's uh, cute, it's funny. They might find it amusing, but anyway. they're like, yeah, I'm not going to vote for it. No, I don't care about those people because. They're not smart enough. But you need those people. Enough, they can, well, no, they're Warren supporters. Look, no, no, but I'm talking about the fence sitters, man. I'm talking about, you know, the yeah, – the, the Yeah, that's a good question. You know what's interesting? Like uh, I just went to an event in Brockton, right? Um, anytime we go out, it's like nine out of ten people like it. One person will come up and it's a vocal minority who starts screaming at us, okay? Call me a racist and Nazi. It's amazing, right? I'm a dark scene Indian guy who came from an you know low caste Indian guy call and it's typically a white person calling me a racist it's unbelievable because that i'm going to like the, the things that you're saying are are very similar to the type of things that we would write about and publish in turtle boy but the difference is i think we all know turtle boy is not going to get elected to office because we are too incendiary right like we will appeal to a certain demographic but ultimately old people vote right and old people don't they're not looking for the controversy, right? I think Trump is the. I mean, Trump pulled it off, but I, I've never seen anyone else pull it off. Um, well, look, I, I, I'm out on the street pretty much every day, passing flyers, speaking to people. Older people love our campaign. Mm. Older people. I mean, you could almost see it. I, I don't want to do profiling, but when you're out on the street, you learn a lot. The people that don't like it, I mean, it's a certain person and they in fact have a certain look i hate to say it right mm -hmm. those are the people that come up to us and start screaming at us and it's a vocal minority and you know what my answer to them is i said you're calling me a racist i said she's the racist she, it, racism is exploitation of race for one's personal benefit she used affirmative action to get a four hundred thousand job at a university which is fundamentally a fake university it's a 40 billion dollar hedge fund so don't call me a racist She's the racist, and they don't know what to say to that. And then furthermore, I say, you know, a lot of my friends who are black, minorities, natives, they actually like that, and you're the only one who doesn't like it. All so right. what are they, So I have a, a deeper credibility because 
frankly, I have a different journey than they've gone through. And, so, I, can, and I will use that to the extent to expose their hypocrisy mm -hmm. because these people fundamentally want to keep people on plantations. You know, when I was at MIT, front page of MIT for all the great things I've done, look, you want to, you know, I could talk about by merit, say I scored 800 on the achievement test, I won every award, got four degrees. Oh, that's, that, frankly, it's boring. But real Indian can defeat a fake Indian? That's not boring because it gets your attention. Hey, who is this guy? How dare he say that? Because but don't you think you need to like I'm supposed push, to be a good you know, Indian, you know? That's all so I it's, but it's that's all Chief, Scott that, Brown that's, couldn't pull this off because he's not an Indian. But that's all I associate you with is, you know, only a real Indian can beat a fake Indian. Don't you think you need to get your message out there a little more besides that? Well, we do. We do cuz then people after they come to say say, wow, what is this guy about? Wow, look at this. He invented email. Wow, he has four degrees from MIT. Wow, he stands for real health. Wow, he fought Monsanto. Wow, he stood up for you know uh, uh, poor blacks and poor whites in his MIT. Wow, he actually invented a drug that got allowed for uh, allowance by the FDA for pancreatic cancer. Wow, he actually knows science. But the reality is the mainstream media, Uncle Turtle Boy, does not want to give me visibility. They give three dopes more visibility uh, against Warren, who have no interest in running than me. Agree. I mean, but I've here's paid the thing. My due, man. But here's the thing. I paid my due. I agree 100% with that. However, the fact of the matter is that the mainstream media does control a certain narrative, right? And so, do you honestly, in your heart of hearts, consider yourself like an actual threat to win the election in 2018? Honestly, definitely. I'm the yeah. Look and look. I would not be in this. Look, I I, I don't have to do this, man. I do not have to do this. I could be doing anything I want in my life. I've made more than enough money unlike right. these other career politicians. So I, I have figured out how to beat Warren. I'm the one who's made this race interesting. I'm the one who sent her three DNA test kits. I'm the one. I, yeah, I, I, I get all that. For president. I get all so that. I've, but I, I've already kneecapped her. I get all know? that. But Gary, so Gary Johnson, often, right? When Gary Johnson ran for president, Gary I'm Johnson's sure Gary Johnson knew going into election yeah. night. There is a 0.0% chance I can win this. What percent yeah, but chance? Gary Johnson is not me. Gary Johnson did not do the kinds of things I've done in my life. He's, you know, I, I don't know the guy well enough, but I, I, he doesn't seem like. The but how are you polling? Uh, well, what, what, the last time I polled, I was at twenty eight percent. Twenty eight percent Republicans. Uh, yeah, as and, an independent. And what's interesting with the Steve Cozella poll, WBUR? I mean, I know my name brand equity is better than all three of them, but he didn't put that in the poll. I mean, look at all the press we just got for filing this lawsuit. Right, but it's that's when you were map. running as a Republican. Now you're running as an independent. Where do you? This was this was this was three days after I announced I was an independent. And you got, but it, you know, twenty eight percent of people it, said they were going to vote. Yeah, it was twenty eight, twenty nine. I think the other guys were at thirty when one, you... twenty nine, and it's all plus or minus two points. And you're talking about a guy who's not even been a career politician. Yeah. So, like, let's imagine a situation here, right? Where Elizabeth Warren gets the Democratic nomination, let's just say Jeff Deal gets the Republican nomination, and you're the independent. How can you imagine a situation in which you you come out victorious in that situation? How would that happen? Pretty easy, right? Let's look at the numbers. If you look at the situation now, I mean, I don't know if you've looked at the numbers. Uh, if you look at it at a high level, four point three million registered voters, one point five million Democrats, a half a million Republicans uh, on a good day. 2.4 million independents. Those independents uh, choose typically the lesser of two evils. When you look at the current situation, the people who are voting for Warren are pinching their nose and voting for her. It's because it's toxic to be an R in this state. Yes. I am the alternative to Warren.
period. That's a simple answer. Alternative to Elizabeth Warren. When people, you know, we have Hispanic Democrats who say, hey, I typically vote Democrat, but I'm going to vote for you. So you have, I mean, you saw, go look at the South Boston Parade, all, you know, young white people, okay, cheering us on. And none of the other Republicans even bothered showing up to that. I think one to two million people were there. All right. So here's so the we thing, Chief. to a whole range of people because Get- we're not talking left or right. We're not talking career politician politics. We're not guys who are fake Trumpers like Jeff Deal, you know, lied, lied about being a co-chair. He's got a Saudi lobbyist. I mean, people can see through this stuff. All right. So here, here's the thing. Right. Here, what would you say to people? Yeah. And this is what I'm starting to think, and I'm not accusing you of this or anything like that. What I'm thinking out loud here. People that are likely to vote for you are likely to be smaller government, conservative, right-leaning people, right? So you are more of a threat. Some, that's to, one group. But, I, I have a big, broad coalition. But you're not going to take away. Group. But you're more, much more likely to take away votes from the right than you are from the left. Don't you think that only ensures that well, Elizabeth no, no, Warren will win? No, 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 no. No, look, look, look. You see, you haven't been out in the TV with me. See, I have not. You, you, we no, I've, I've been on the ground, man. That's where you see stuff. Mm. When you go to the subways and you're distributing flyers at five, six in the morning, when you have black women coming up to you and they say, you know what? I hate Monsanto. People think, oh, only but she, certain this people is anecdotal. eat foods. This is anecdotal. Well, no, no, it's not anecdotal. These when are you anecdotes. You're telling sample. me anecdotes, no? No, 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 no. Look, this is math. Thir- according to the NyQuil sampling criteria, you need 30 sampling points. As long as it's a distributed set, it gives you a pretty good sample. I don't look. I have all the millions of records in my database. I do data analytics for a living. Okay, but then you, when you go on the ground, you confirm your theories. And I'm telling you that our campaign is going to pull from the independents who are typically leaning to the right, um, to, to the left, and to the right because these people are tired of both politicians. They see through these guys. Come I just, on. I just, why shouldn't they? I have we, a hard we, time we imagining Elizabeth Warren voters being like, you know what? I couldn't vote for Scott Brown, who, by the way, was very reasonable and um, and middle of the road, and they couldn't even vote for him. But they're going to vote for the guy who, you know what I mean, is much – I would – How many people voted for Trump in Massachusetts? I Forget about he lost to Hillary. That's irrelevant. How many people voted for Trump? I don't know. What was the percent? Like 30-something? million people. No, no, for the, the, the one million people. Okay. And you know how many of those people do not want to admit they voted for Trump? I We have Lots. volunteers on our team, you know, the parents who are in Lexington. I'm telling you, there's an undercurrent of people who are But Trump got murdered in the state. If that's, if that's your What's basis, that? though, that's not good. If like Because Trump lost Massachusetts and he lost by a lot. No, forget about losing. No, 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 no. You're, you're not. You're not. That was a presidential year. You see, when you do the math in a non-presidential year, Mm-hmm. It is it, it's massive uncertainty. You see, I throw uncertainty I to the whole thing, and both parties do not like uncertainty. You see, Charlie Baker doesn't like uncertainty. Elizabeth Warren doesn't like uncertainty. The the Republicans and the Democrats do not like uncertainty. And in a midterm election, you have massive uncertainty, and people are looking for someone like me mm-hmm. because see, Trump was basically a hand grenade that was thrown. Let's be very honest, right? He was an anti-establishment hand grenade. Now people are saying, okay, you know what? Let's look at Massachusetts, right? Worst in public integrity, one of the worst. One of the worst infrastructure, physical infrastructure, and three times the national average in opioid addiction. That's what the politicians brought to you. Who makes this state really sh- uh, shine? It's the high-tech, vote-tech workers. You know, 33,000 businesses came out of MIT. Two trillion in revenue. That's where I am. Why mm. shouldn't an innovator be uh, representing the state? That's really representation. Not a bunch of numbnuts 
who know nothing about <laughs> building go. anything or fixing anything. Beth Lindstrom ran the lottery. You got another guy, Old Man Kingston, who funded Bill Clinton. And Jeff Deal, you know, failed sign salesman. Come on. Mm. That's what these guys are. We deserve better than that. We deserve a guy who came from India with nothing. We deserve a guy who worked his way hard. Everything I've done is uh, on merit. So here's my Come thing. On. My biggest concern is and making sure. My people, biggest people, concern look, is the, making the, sure Elizabeth Warren yep. is an embarrassment for Massachusetts. My biggest she's concern. Em- no, but she's not only an embarrassment for Massachusetts. She represents the deep state and all of these current okay, politicians. Right. So, all right. So my big. But here's my. Rashida, my biggest yep. concern is Elizabeth Warren cannot win. Right. She's a no doubt a favorite to win this election. Right. It would take a lot. I don't know about that. Oh, I, I do know about I mean, that. Look at what I've done. Shiva, no, no, time out. Are you a gambler? Are you a gambler, Shiva? Are you a gambling man? I love gambling. I, okay. You know, I went to the last poker tournament and I won a million dollars. Okay. Poker is, poker's, poker's not gambling. Poker's a game of skill and luck, but it is mostly, you know, it's largely well, a game it's of skill. A game of, it's a game of performance art, too. All right. So, so, madam, yeah, right. So, there's an actual talent. It's not just pure luck, right? So, but yeah, when, I'm a gambling man and I, and I gamble on sports, right? And I look at the long term for, you know, something like that. And I look at betting on the NBA finals, who's going to win the whole thing. And the Golden State Warriors are a heavy favorite to win the whole thing. Right. Sure. I could take the long shot. I could bet on like the New Orleans Pelicans at 40 to one to win the whole thing. But that seems unlikely. The fact of the matter is the favorite is the favorite. And if you won the election, it would not be because you're the favorite. It would be the upset of all time. Right. If there were Vegas lines on this right now, and I'm sure there are Vegas lines on this right now, Elizabeth Warren would be an overwhelming favorite. That's not an opinion. It's a, it's a fact. She would be the Vegas betting line favorite. So if you want to beat her, you'd have to come from an underdog. You, you're the underdog, well, look, right? I've been an underdog all my life. You know, when people thought email was impossible to create, I invented it, period. Okay. You're talking to some guy that, uh, you know, out of the, you, uh, you know, people like me, even from India, weren't even made, uh, able supposed to come here, right? We're considered low caste. You're looking at someone where the odds have always been against me, but that the odds have always been against Americans, and that's why we make it. And so when you bring up these statistics, let me tell you, statistical models are driven by an engine. You ever heard the black swan moment? You know what a black swan is, right? The whole thing with the black swan. Isn't it a, uh, a ballet? Well, well, no, the black swan is a statistical term. Which, you know, no one thought Trump was going to win, right? Unbelievable. Because they don't understand the dynamics behind the statistical equations. You see, so if you just base it on a sampling set, but you don't have enough of a long-term time cycle on that, your statistics are not map- mapping the reality of what's taking place. The reality of what's taking place in this country is a much bigger uh, arc that's taking place over the last last, you know, since the 70s or a little bit before that, what we've seen is a consolidation of power and people have seen the centralization of government and people have seen over and over, over again that they've been sold out by both parties. And that's what's in the historical milieu and that's what's peaked with the Trump election. And, and what better place in Massachusetts where that's going to even peak in another way? And that's what's really fundamental going on right now because people know both of these parties do not serve their interests. Look look at you. You talk about mainstream media. I heard you got a million page views a month, right? Am I right? More than that. A couple million. More than that. Well, that's a black swan moment. All statistics would say you shouldn't be you shouldn't be getting a million page views a month. Why? I would argue what's, what's that, statistic would say that? No, no. What I'm saying is the statistics of mainstream media. 
Because what's happened is the dynamics of a number of things have come together that you as an individual can have incredible amount of influence, right? Mm -hmm. That would, if anyone, could, could someone have predicted that five years ago? No way. No way. So it's technology. It's the uh, whole set of things occurring that create black swan moments. So if you just look at statistics, you're going to miss something that's occurring on a different time scale. You know I what? I do uh, modeling for a living, man. Here's why Turtle so, Boy was successful, right? Is because we write about things that no one, we found a market, a niche. And that's what capitalism is all about, is providing people uh, yeah. with, with something that they don't have yet and in, in for a good price. Our price, of course, is free. Uh, and so when people see uh, a, bu a school bus invaded by parents uh, and it goes viral, this is like there was in 2014, this is what really made us blow up. There's an incident in which a school bus, a bunch of insane parents in Worcester invaded a school bus and they taped it. It was like the Blair Witch Project. And everybody was thinking the same thing because the media was covering it as like, the bus driver screwed up and how dare the bus driver not let the kids off the bus. But a lot of people were thinking, no, it's the fucking parents. What's wrong with these animals? Why are they behaving like this? Right. And so, you know, we published a blog on it and boom, it sold. And that's when we realized this is what the people want. The people want hot takes, Shiva. Yeah, people want hot takes. People want... People want only a real Indian who can defeat a, yeah, a fake. Exactly. People love it. People like people being bold. And you know, all the Republican politicians. Oh, don't, don't, don't talk about this fake Indian stuff. Well, we sent her three DNA test kits, and that force of Berkshire Eagle, which is one of the most left newspapers, which endorsed Warren to say, "Hey, why doesn't she take Shiva's DNA test?" Test. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So when you hit upon these moments, you get a ringtone. And that's what people do who are with it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, who are not listening to everyone else. When you just gave me that story, you guys were watching, you're on the ground, and that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're going to beat Elizabeth Warren because she's out of touch with reality mm -hmm. and the Republicans are out of touch. I'm telling you, man, people see us as the alternative to Warren. The Republicans are irrelevant in this equation. Mm -hmm. All right, it's well, the alternate to Warren. We will yeah. see. We're going to keep an eye on it, Shiva. And uh, we're kind of running yeah, out of time here. but Definitely. We, thank you. I appreciate your, thank you. the opportunity to be on here. You guys do great work. Oh, thank you. We appreciate it very much.